So are you saying you're going to actually import a car, Lance? It depends on what we land on, man. Like, I actually talked to my wife about it. Hey, I'm Steve. And I'm Lance. We're Curious Car Guys. Welcome to Launch Control. Welcome to episode three. We're back talking about importing cars from Japan. Lance has done some homework and we're going to talk about what he dug up and if I can be of any assistance with the knowledge (laughs) I have. You're going to be plenty of assistance. I got a lot of questions. Cool. Okay. So quick recap before we get into um, what happened on my homework. So what kind of person should you be if you want to import cars, um, either for yourself or kind of do it as a side gig? so we talked about this in the last couple of, or the last episode. Uh, you want to have some cash in the bank. Yep. Um, we talked about a 240SX, but speaking overall, you'll want to have the price of the car plus about four to five thousand dollars on hand for various fees, maybe a little bit of nip tuck in the repair department and that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's going to range. I mean, obviously, if you're bringing over a really expensive, really old car, yeah, you'll probably expect to spend more over time refurbishing it and fixing stuff that needs to be maintained. But for the average guy like myself with a few R33 Skylines, about four grand to five grand is probably a good um, padding to have because um, you will have to do some stuff once you get it here. Yeah. And then secondly, you'll want to be very detail oriented. If you are the creative type that's loosey goosey and doesn't read contracts, doesn't like paperwork and, and doesn't like managing a process, you probably better off just buying a car that's already here. Absolutely. Okay. So you should be detail oriented, project management oriented, and, and it'll serve you well. The other thing couple of things are really recommended. One is you want to be uh, somebody that likes to explore because what I learned by going on these sites and looking for cars is the pages navigate differently. You know, the browser's translating for you. So the words that it gives you, sometimes it doesn't make sense and things don't stop with the car. So once I get the car here, what if I need to buy parts and I need to go part shopping on a JDM website or yeah, so on, totally. right? And so being, you got to be okay with kind of the ambiguity of some of this and you want to, you'll want to be the kind of person that wants to pursue the knowledge and get it. One might say you should be a curious car guy. Hey, there we go. <laughs> um, so you want to have that. The other thing we, pro- we recommend you probably have on deck is a daily Right. And talk to us a little bit about that, Steve. Well, you know, once you get the car here, it's not like you can go pick it up at the port and start driving it to work. So you've got a solid three to four weeks of just the process. Once the car's in your hands, the process of making it legal to drive on the street. Yeah. Um, So obviously you'll need to be having a second car to to tool around in during that time. But, um, you know, we're talking about 25 year old cars from another country. Yeah. Um, 25 year old cars from America that you can buy on Craigslist in your local town need stuff done, right? They go down. So it's not, don't expect, even if it's a low miles car, um, don't expect that you'll be able to just start daily driving it immediately. Now I, I say that having had the the fortune of bringing over some ridiculously clean daily drivable cars yeah um but uh, but that's not especially if you're on a budget that's not necessarily going to be the case yeah and um, even from like a date just a practical standpoint like yeah. if you if you're a starbucks person and you go through that drive through every morning yeah right hand drive is going to be a it's little cool bit of an to adjustment go through in reverse once <laughs> yeah. and then after that you're that guy so yeah so have you know have a 
have an option for a daily. Yeah. You know, it, the first thing that crosses my mind, I'm not the guy that leases cars. Right. But if you're the kind of person that is going to be dropping 15, 20 plus grand on a JDM import, then maybe you don't have the extra cash on hand to buy a new car that's going to be reliable. So maybe yeah. like a cheap Corolla, Honda Civic, something yeah. like that, that's going to cost you 200 bucks a month on yeah. a lease. You're not going to go over the mileage limit because you have a car that you own on hand. Right. So. Correct. Um, it might be a good way to float the cash while you're while you're going about this. Yep. Okay, so that that gives you an idea of the kind of person you want to be if you're going to undertake this. Now, if you're still with us and you're still interested in going after this, and you're with me and you're doing this for the first time, uh, you probably if you did the same homework I did, I hopped on um, GooNet Goo-Net, and then CarSensor.net, which are two Japanese sites. Uh, where they, you, it's basically like an auto trader, right? Yeah. Um, and just real quick to recap from the first episode, we're not gonna cover getting cars directly from auctions in Japan. Okay, yeah. Because that's not my experience. I haven't, I've chosen consciously not to go about it that way because I like to minimize the risk associated yeah. with accomplishing my goals as a car guy. And so, um, to me, the risk of, of the gamble of going and buying from an auction in Japan, sight unseen, um, it, it was not the road that I chose to go down. So as we talked about in the previous episode, it it does it, it could be a little bit more expensive to go down the road we're going. But, yeah. but I think the chance of getting a higher, and in my experience, it's been proven, the chance of getting a higher quality car that you could potentially drive more often and not worry about as much yeah. is much higher. Yeah, you're basically paying to mitigate risk, Exactly, right? It's three levels of that. You yeah. can buy it at the auction, and it's just like buying a car from the auction here where, if except you, the car's not even here <laughs> for you to look at. Right. And then, so you were at this layer where, hey, we know that it's within spec, or yep. we know that they're reasonably good cars. Now we're shopping dealers that are in Japan. Yep. And then if you actually, if that's too much risk for you, then there are dealers stateside that will sell you a car that they've done all the work and they've imported it, they've brought it up to snuff, and it's a car that you can see and touch before you buy it. I will it. say that they've brought it up to snuff can be questionable. There's a oh, lot yeah. of shady importers. Yeah, we haven't really gone down that road, and I am not here to put anybody on blast, so I won't mention any names. Okay, so just be careful. <clears throat> be careful. Find a reputable I mean, what one. a lot of these dealers do, especially if you find a guy who's, you know, he lives on a coast somewhere, yeah. in, on the East Coast or the West Coast, he's near a port, he's operating near a port, and he he has a, a large volume of inexpensive cars from Japan. Yeah, he's buying them. He's buying the cheapest, lowest quality cars he Got can, it. He can okay. get, and he's flipping them fast for a grand or two grand profit each, mm -hmm. um, and doing as little as possible to maintain. Okay. And there are guys out there, and you can find the horror stories on the forums and Facebook groups. Yeah, um, who kind of polish a turd and try to flip it and, <laughs> yeah. um, and it never ends well. So use the same common sense for this that common you would sense, for a regular absolutely. dealer. Like if I see a Ferrari for 20 grand if it's and it's too a stateside good to be true, dealer. I guarantee it is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so understand you're just mitigating risk and this for us is kind of that acceptable risk where we save some money but we know we're getting something pretty decent. We run the, uh, it's a good um, chance of us getting something decent yes. as opposed to something in an auction house where you're just making split second decisions and you have no idea what the car has or right, doesn't have. Right. So I went on both of those sites 
and I did some searching. And so there were a couple of things that I found. I did find some cars um, on both sides that I was interested in. Cool. Um, but what I found on the onset was the searching was different. It wasn't quite as clean cut or it didn't make sense to me maybe as an American or uh, maybe it's it was in the translation because Google Chrome was translating things yeah. for me, right? And so um, I tried first for like searching GTRs. I was like, all right, let's just see what happens. Right. And then I tried searching for Skylines and it only brought up like two or three cars and they were all R35s, the most recent version right. of the car. Yeah. It's like, what's going on here? So I started looking through the different listings and you'll find that like there's like five list, five categories for Skylines, five sc- categories for GTRs, yep. five this, that, and the other. And then it smattered in a whole bunch of other cars that I really wasn't interested in. Pickup trucks that were like Frontiers, brand new, you yeah. know, the, you know, vans and stuff like that. Right. And so uh, I, I went in and I said, okay, let's just clear out the fluff. The What we're trying to import are 25 year old cars or older. Right. So my first filter criteria was up to 1994. That Absolutely. was like my first safe zone. First place to start, like if you're gonna do a broad search, the first place to start is with the year. So 1994 and older yeah. is safe. Um, you know, if you're going to get a car that isn't. So right now we're recording this in the end of December 2018. So the end of December 20, uh, 1993 is the legal cars that are legal to be imported today. Right. So it can't board a ship in Japan if it was manufactured um, after, say, November of 1993. Um, so if you're searching 1994 and you find a car that has a build date of December 1994 and you find it today and you start the process of buying that car today, one thing you have to be aware of is you're going to need to ship store it in Japan for almost a year. Yeah. So, um, and then you got to find somebody who's going to hold it for you that long. Yeah. So, so in your search criteria, the year is very important. I, do the same thing that you did, which is I searched 1994 today. I would search 1994 and older. Yeah. Um, knowing that I may need to store the car in Japan if I find one that's a late 94 that I like. Yeah. And it won't be that long. And then I added the filter criteria of um, manual transmission because I figured okay. most of the cars we were interested in, I'm not trying to get an automatic for right. this kind of car. Yeah. Uh, and so it'd filter out any of the other fluff. But then it would keep it general enough for me where. I can see what's out there because yep. we might know GTR, we might know NSX, we might know Supra, but there are a lot of Japanese Weird domestic, little, yeah. yeah, cool cars out there that you can you can you would have no idea existed. Yeah. Um, so I'll show you what I did on GuNet first, uh, cool. just to get to what I wanted to get to. I just scrubbed by the year, uh, so I went to 1994. Actually, what I did first was go to Coops. I was going to stick with that. And then there was an option to go to 1994. And on this particular site, I don't think I had the option to choose a transmission. Yeah, off the I top. never do because you're not, you can easily filter yeah. through MT versus AT when you're looking at the search results. Yeah. And, and it, you may find a weird, here's the thing there's, for example, Skylines, there's a tuning company. In Japan, called Alltech. Yeah, and they did some weird, weird, rare kind of limited volume special editions. Yeah, in automatic. Mm. If you're the type of person like me who 
sells these cars on, makes a couple bucks on them, yeah. that would be worth getting. Yeah, even if it's an automatic. Even if it's an automatic. Which is cool. And yeah. the way that they organize the results, at first it, it was a little annoying because I was like, just give me the list of cars, right? But actually as I was working with it, it makes more and more sense because this gives me a really quick way to scan which cars I may or may not be interested in and yeah. then I can dive in if I see something. So you see some of the, it's funny because you see the Japanese stuff, but then you see 911s, Corvettes. Corvettes yeah. I saw an Aston. I saw, you know, like old Ferraris and I looked into them. You know, if you look into them, you'll see and I'll pull the Ferraris up here just for uh, illustration. But you see here, um, they're not cheap. Nope. So that's a lot of yen. So let's talk a little bit about the conversion um, because I was looking at this and the first thing I thought was, okay, so how many, I'm looking at a Japanese site, they're not gonna put it in dollars. So what's a good way to just eyeball it? Okay, so we're looking at a list of Ferrari 328 GTS, GTB, and they are listing anywhere from 8.6 million yen up to, it looks like almost 20 million yen. Yeah. So the quick rule of thumb, and it it varies because the the conversion between U.S. dollars and Japanese yen changes every day. It fluctuates. Right now, the dollar is pretty strong, which is good for us. Um, but um, the the quick rule of thumb that I use is just move the decimal point over to the left two spaces. Okay. So, for example, just to keep the, it it really even, eleven million one. yen. You've got a nice even number there. Eleven okay. million yen is. Um, going to work out to somewhere around, what is that, $110,000? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm the art guy. I don't do math in my head very well. <laughs> but but yeah, so 11 million yen is about $110,000. It's actually slightly less than that. It's probably closer to $100,000 just because of the exchange rate right now. Yes. Um, but it's a good rule of thumb as you're browsing. Yeah. Um, and as we talked about in the previous episode, you once you narrow down to a car you're interested in, you want to do this search over a period of time. Right. You want to you want to be a patient person. If you if you're in a rush to get a car and you need to have it six weeks from now for whatever reason, fine. Just yeah. make sure you have deep pockets. Because if you look at this, if if we're going to say it's one hundred and ten thousand dollars, that's not a very good deal for a three twenty eight GTS. These no. cars stateside, you're looking at sixty grand for yeah. an awesome one. You're almost never going to get a great deal on a car that was available in America. Yeah. If you buy it in Japan, and I'll tell you why. For the same reason why the Japanese guys are probably laughing at us for paying. $30,000 for a clean R32 GTR because uh -huh. in Japan six years ago it was a $5,000 car yeah right so it's really the whole you want what you can't have it's the supply and demand that drives value up American cars in Japan or European cars in Japan are going to be disproportionately expensive because they just don't have a ton of them there yeah. we have just as many or more here so supply and demand drives the value down here where you're going to find good value for money is on cars that were made for the Japanese domestic market only. Only, yeah. Um, and maybe exported to certain countries like Australia or maybe some in Europe. Yeah. Um, but it, it makes Skylines and like some like Nissan POW and and the AutoZam AZ1 and some of these weird little K cars. Yeah. Those you can get decent yeah. deal on. And, you know, it's let's ladder it back up to the experience we like to always talk about the experience of driving to a car meet or just your local lunch joint yeah. in a Nissan POW um, or uh, 
or a the Figaro, AZ one, yeah. or a Nissan Figaro, yeah, and and or a gas station and the amount of people that come up and take pictures yeah. and want to ask you about it and they don't know what it is, that's, you know, that's novel. That's yeah. kind of fun to a car guy. Yeah. Um, and you can get into that kind of fun in a Nissan Figaro for like nine grand. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to spend Ferrari money right. to, to get that. And so, you know, picking those cars. So while I was looking through the listings, you know, the Toyota MR2, obviously for me is a big deal because I love the car, yep. but the car was sold here. So, you know, you can pick one up for, you know, if I click in here, you can pick one up for, you know, five grand to eight grand to 10 grand. But the thing is, is you can buy those cars here for about that same money. It might need a little bit of work here and there, but it's left-hand drive. You yep. don't have the, and it was, since it was sold here, it doesn't have the same cachet unless you're going for after 95 when the car wasn't sold here, got yep. some updates and some cool things happened. Yeah, I reached out to, before I knew how to import these cars myself, a few years ago, I reached out to the importer that I got my first R32 Skyline from. Uh, because I was interested in an MR2. Yeah. Um, he he brings them in fairly regularly. He's done a lot of them, mm -hmm. um, mainly the turbo ones. But I wanted a G Limited, which is yeah. a trim we never got and an engine configuration we never got. Yeah. Uh, in that... America, the NA MR2 was a 5 SFE, which was yeah. the same. There's the Camry and yeah. Celica engine. Yeah. In Japan, they had the 3SGE, which is basically just the non turbo version of the turbo motor yeah. which was it's just unique a little bit higher performance yep right hand drive um some different body and you get the reliability so you get and, a little bit more yeah. power and you get the reliability of not having the turbos in there so that's kind of a middle of the road it's not a model that we never got but yeah. it's a addition or a build of the model yeah. that we never got so to me special. that was a worthwhile investment even if i had to pay the same or a little bit more than what a clean namr2 would cost in the states yeah actually i probably would have had to spend more than what a clean turbo mr2 would go for in the states yeah um to me it was worth it so this is where it comes up right this yeah. is where as a you need to understand where that value lies for you in the experience yeah yeah so let's go into and i i did the same on uh, carsensor.net. So CarSensor, when you hop on the site, uh, it gives you, uh, you know what, I'm just going to open another window here while we're at it. Cool. Sorry to everybody who's listening in their car. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when I pull it up here, it translates the, the page for me, and then you get a bunch of different um, things to choose from. Manufacturer, body type, pre it says prefecture here. I have no idea what that means. But it's, it's basically just like the, the region. The region. Okay. Well, you learned something new today. Yeah. So you have the ability to search by different things. We did the, I did the same thing here. I searched by year first and then by manual transmission. And then uh, the cars that I came up with, uh, you can actually save favorites on this site as opposed to GUNET where you can't. So I've got my favorites up here at the top right. Uh, whenever you're looking at a listing, there's a button next to each listing that says Mark is a favorite, just like you would on most American car search sites. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna comment. I can see your screen and your first favorite is a nineteen seventy-two <laughs> Skyline GTR, not a clone, a real Skyline GTR. And the price is ask. Yeah. The, the price is <laughs> I'm gonna inquiry. tell you right now, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're wanting to make payments on this, probably can't afford it. Yeah. So they I always love these cars. Um and there's 
there's a few different iterations of it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But while we're searching, a couple of things came up for me. One was this idea of you'll see on if you're looking on the on the screens, there's something called a base price and there's something called a total to pay price. So when we were talking about conversion rates, we said, hey, just move the decimal places over to the left too, and it'll give you a roundabout. But when I look at this, it says the base price is 155 yen, which is a screaming deal to me. But if I go to the total to pay price, it jumps to 1.68 million yen, which is a you know hey I'll take the top price <laughs> the bottom price you know that's well, an yeah, investment I mean, it, right so so it should raise a red flag when a an AutoZam AZ1 is like a dollar twenty five yeah right exactly. so that that uh, it could be something coming through in the translation I think that may be one point five five million yen and it's just being translated and displayed weirdly differently um, okay and because that that tracks a little bit better with the total to pay being one point six eight million yen so really the difference as far as I know is is like tax and tags that's the out the door price that's fine versus so, the the vehicle price itself versus the out the door price which is it's confusing because our dealers don't they don't give do you that. that breakdown yeah. I don't know if there's legislation in Japan that makes them have to break that down for you on their on this website yeah basically my advice is ignore the base price and only look at the total price yeah so the million yens or hundreds of thousands of yen is, yeah. is more indicative of what the price is going to be we'll just go yep. with that instead of like getting a uh you know getting an r32 for 280 yen that's, and that's probably not that's true my first reaction is that's a really expensive az1 and then i just noticed it's a mazda speed yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I liked it. It was a little bit different from the other ones that I saw. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we've got a listing of cars here. You're going to be, if you see it in the hundreds or the very low thousands, you're probably not looking at the right price. You should be in the hundreds of thousands to the millions of yen. Absolutely. And then you move the decimal over to get it. Now, for those of you guys who are really detail-oriented, Google is your best friend here. I just typed in this many million yen in US dollars and it gives you the count there. Yeah, as so. a Google search. So if you just do a Google search for 5.9 million JPY to oh. USD or yeah. in USD, it will it recognizes you're trying to do a currency conversion and it'll do it for you. Um, Google or Bing, I'm sure Yahoo does it as well. Yeah, so <laughs> that makes it easier for you to kind of figure out what your... Um, what your investment is gonna look like. So I just have multiple tabs open and I toggle between when I'm searching, just like I'm sure you guys do. Uh, so that was one of the things that I had. And then one, the other thing was, is when I'm searching for those skylines, I'm finding that there's so many different kinds, Yeah. right? So I understand that there are special editions like the Autech or there might be like a, a one-off um, trim that yep. Nissan made or something. Like, so how should I be approaching this? Like there's the Skyline, there's the Skyline models, then there's the GTR models, but there's like GTR, GTX, then there's GTR with a whole type M, type S, type yeah. this, type, like kind of help me navigate what that I, looks like. I, I will say that you'll, intuitively and this is why i always recommend somebody not to buy a car the first week they're searching search for a month before okay. you make a purchase decision and when you encounter those situations like there's a r31 uh impole 
which is another tuning version, um, you know, uh, Skyline GTSR or whatever. Like you find the the alphabet soup thrown on the trunk of a car, mm-hmm. um, and you you're like, I don't know what this is. So the first thing you should be doing is looking at the specs of the car, not the the branding and the marketing and all of the partnerships okay. and all that stuff. So okay. what motor does it have? What transmission does it have? Is it all-wheel drive? Does it have the all-wheel steering? And this isn't just for Skylines. This applies to all of the weird Japanese cars that you're just not so familiar with, mm-hmm. especially for you, Lance. You're kind of searching a little more generally. You're not saying, I'm just looking at Skylines. Right. You're saying, I'm looking at anything interesting that's older than 1994 and has a manual transmission yeah. and is a coupe. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Um, so that's when you're going to get into like MR2G Limited versus MR2GT versus like, what does that mean? Yeah. Google is your friend. But looking at the specs of the engine is going to answer a lot of questions for you. Okay. Because so I'll, I'll just drop this as an example. The car I most recently imported that's at my house now. Um, by the time this episode airs, it should be on bringatrailer.com, is a Autech edition of an R33 Skyline GTST. Mm-hmm. So it's called the My Wing by Autech, yeah. um, which I didn't even notice until after I had bought it. So I was kind of, we found the car, I um, it was in really good shape, the price was decent it wasn't a steal but it was good and i was kind of hedging what the market would do on r33s when they turned 25 in the first year um and so um i bought it i pulled the trigger and then i started looking closer i I did my due diligence had no rust i saw all the wheel arches under the hood just as a car mileage like yeah the the standard stuff that you should cover off on first before getting excited about a special edition yeah i got covered yeah um and then i realized well it says it's got a weird spoiler and i've never seen that front bumper before and it says my wing made by Autech on the trunk what is that so i asked my importer who uh the guy who helped me find and, and purchase it and he's like, I don't know. I've never heard of that before. And we both started looking into it. And this was well over a year ago. Yeah. And um, and he, we figured out that it's one of 300 special <laughs> editions crazy. made, uh, <laughs> all with 1993 build dates, which means it's very, very early R33s. Yeah. Um, and there's almost none of them left in good condition with mm-hmm. the, everything that still makes them special, which wow. is the the appearance package, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you can run across those things, but you shouldn't get excited about those things. Um, really, you need to do your due diligence, f- understand the condition of the car, look at the engine, look at the transmission, look at the specifications of the drivetrain and any other features like, does it have a sunroof or not? That could often tell you a lot about the trim of a vehicle because yeah. often the higher performance versions don't have a sunroof. Yeah. Um, things like that. And then you can always Google like, what is the MyWing made by Alltech and yeah. find some information. Just do the research. because yeah. one. So this car, um, I was looking at the, is, is it the Hakusuka? Uh, yeah, Hakuska. Hakuska, okay, you yeah. is silent. So you go in there and you see that, but I also saw some that were not authentic. They said in the fine print that this is a replica, right? Yeah. So it becomes important to yeah. understand, okay, what's the engine supposed to look like? You know, right. it should it have a moonroof? Should it, you know, yeah. should it come in a four door and a two door? Is it just a two door? Do they all come with flared fenders? Do they right. do this? Do they do that, right? Yep. And so talk to me a little bit about like, <clears throat> I'm really interested in that generation of GTR just because I like them. Sure. So you were telling me like the authentic, true to form, 
uh, GTRs of that generation, the first generation, were like 200 grand. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, they've been going for that number at auction lately. So okay. if it's clean, if it's original, no rust, even if it's a good restoration of an yeah. original um, 72 GTR, you're in the close to or slightly over $200,000 okay. so USD price. If any of our listeners have that, just uh, let me know. I'll be happy to go out and get one for you. Um, <laughs> but I can so put the some clones, on it. The, most of the quote unquote GTRs or GT Kais that you see coming out of Japan or even here stateside that look like that yeah. 72 Skyline GTR are really a GTX or a 2000 GT that's been made into a clone of a GTR which you're still going to pay 50K 50 to, to 70K, 80, yeah, 80K for, yeah. Okay, so like, help me understand how I should view that. Because to me, I'm like, I just love the look yeah. and I love, um, I just like the, the rawness of the car. Yeah. Um, and so I listened to clips of both cars. Of course, the authentic one, that motor is ridiculous sounding, yeah. So right? The, yeah, that's the fastest way to tell the difference between a real one and a clone is the the legit GTR has the S20 motor. Yeah. Uh, it looks completely different. It sounds completely different. Um, the 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 non GTR comes with a variant of the same engine that was in the Fair Lady or what we got here is the the 240SX. And are those motors are not, it's not like they're in plentiful supply. I can't like buy a GTX and swap an S20 motor into no, it. No, for a couple reasons. Number one, it's not easy to get your hands on an S20 and yeah. you're still gonna pay a lot of money for it. Okay. I don't know offhand what they trade for, um, but I just know that it's not gonna be worth it. You'd be better off putting, honestly, a RB26 in it. Yeah, right. Drop, like, a, drop a GM V8 in it. Do not I'm do that. Kidding. No, that. I'm LS getting the look from Steve right now. Yeah. I'm a curious guy. Why wouldn't I? You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So, y y what are the options that you would have that would be, you know, uh, any of palatable? The, any you know? of the RB series motors, okay. so RB20, 25, 26. And those work. Like you can drop the engine out. Are you keeping the same transmission or are you changing all of that out? I would I would imagine you're changing out the engine and transmission. Okay. So you're you're going for a full driveline swap, potentially even the rear end. This is where you're getting out of my, a little bit out of my knowledge yeah. on swaps on Hakos is I just don't, I'm not familiar, but I know that it's been done. I've seen plenty of photos okay. of RBs in, in Hakos and Ken Mary's. Well, that's cool. So, um, so there's yeah. the Skyline series, which is like, it looks kind of wimpy. And then there's the GTX, which has a little bit more of that Well, GTR so they're all Skylines. Look. Okay. Yeah, so they're all, they're all Skyline. You have the 2000 GT, the 2000 GTX, and the 2000 GTR. Okay. Right. So the ones that the GT then was the one that I saw that was, it just looked like a, yeah, it would a be a rental basic. car in Japan, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, um, it has the lights and all of that, sure. but none of the the muscular stance. Yep. And it looked like you had to do a little bit of wheel arch cutting to get a full um, a full semicircle, I guess, yeah. in the rear. Well, even the sedans too, if you're looking at the sedans, even the GTR sedans, uh -huh. they look a lot more docile. Okay. Um, oh yeah, we just saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, that's where it just gets into um, understanding what the car started as, and then you know if it's a GTR clone, knowing that the work's been done well to make it look like a GTR. Yeah. Okay, so I found a few cool cars. Uh, one of them was <laughs> this uh, Datsun Bluebird 410. I don't even know nice what choice. it is, but I liked it. Um, 
So I'll pull this up. And this I found on Car Sensor. Yep. Uh, so if I'm looking at this. It's an older one. Again, the pricing kind of threw me off for a minute because even the out the door price was just seventy six point five. I'm gonna assume that. So that's seven. That's uh, I believe that's seven hundred and sixty thousand. What are the miles on that thing? Uh, let's. It, well, it says one point five million, but that's not right. Right. Um, so that's that's more likely than not a um, around a seven thousand dollar vehicle. Yeah. So I think that's seven hundred and sixty thousand. Point five and dude, for yeah. seven grand, this is a legit car. I it's mean, cute. the you newer can, ones, uh, the newer ones, uh, the Dots and Bluebirds, uh, we got here as the Dots and Five Ten, the Five Tens, yeah. and people are going nuts with those cars now. Right, they're swapping everything into them yeah, and SR20 making little track and, monsters. Yeah. Yep, they're awesome cars. Yeah. Um, so if you're, you know, it just goes to show you that you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to get a neat little car. Now you might have to do a little bit of work to it, but pretty much any car sub 10,000, you're gonna have to do some work to. Yeah. Um, so there's a Bluebird and the other car that I found, I think they sold it here stateside. I just haven't found clean ones. Now this was the Datsun 2000. What I found cool about this was that the car was actually left-hand drive. Yep. So. For those of you guys who are really scared about driving a right-hand drive car, it just doesn't make sense for your lifestyle. There are, I saw 240Zs that were here that were, I think they were like reverse imported into Japan and they were left-hand drive cars. Interesting. These little Datsun 2000s were left-hand drive. So there's a there's a chance for you to find some things that are going to be um, more comfortable for you, but still Japanese domestic. Yep. Um, and this one, uh, this particular one is at 2.55 million. So what are you looking at, about 25 grand? Yeah. For the car. And it's something that, you know, it looks a little bit like an Austin Healey or an MG, but it's just, it's like Japanese enough to, to look cool. You know, it was, and it, I love the rear end on the car. Uh, it's way small, so please don't crash it. They're you tiny. will probably die. There's a guy actually around here where we're recording right now who in, nice spring and summer days he drives it and i see it parked out here on main street are you serious yeah they're so small yeah they're tiny yeah, yeah. they're fun little cars though. beautiful uh, the design's beautiful though they, they look great so um th those are a couple of the things but i thought you know for purposes of us moving forward we'll take a look at either an r32 because that's in your wheelhouse sure uh or we can take a look at the hakuska and and see okay what are the little deviations in there and i think that'll be more the fun one because i have a feeling even if the replicas are if they're so like are 80 you, grand are you saying you're going to actually import a car lance it depends on what we <laughs> land on man like i actually talked to my wife about it um, awesome. last night and i said all right this is how much i think it could be and yeah. Uh, I've got to sell uh, the M3. I, I bought an M3 to flip that I might actually put on bring a trailer after the beginning of the year. Cool. Um, so after we sell that car, then I think we're a go. Uh, so by the time we get to the point where we're going to lock down on something, nice. um, I may well, bring so something this is, over. This adds a twist to our story here. Yeah. So you know, I've got two on the water. One is landing. What's today's day? 27th? Yeah. I've got an R33 Skyline landing in three days in Freeport, Texas. Okay. Um, so maybe we'll take the podcast on the road and go yeah. down and pick that up. Yeah. Um, I've got a, the Land Cruiser's landing middle of January. Okay. And now it sounds like in several weeks, I, I suggest I'm hoping four so. Four to six weeks, maybe yeah. we'll be pulling the trigger on a, another Skyline, sounds like. On something, either Skyline or I might even go, you know, that the Bluebird, the 2000. Yeah. I was looking at those AZ-10s. a little AZ more vintage, yeah. 
and the Sarahs, man, the way those doors open on those cars yeah. are crazy. Yeah. It's just kind of cool to see an economy car that looks like it'd be a Nissan Stanza suddenly yeah. bust open with McLaren doors. Yep. Okay, um, so here on Launch Control, we like to add value to our listeners yeah. and, and by providing uh, context and, and other luminaries in the car enthusiast world. So Lance, I'm gonna provide you that value right now. All right, let's um, go for it. You need to go on YouTube if you're interested in an AZ1 okay. and look up a guy whose channel is called Tom's Turbo Garage. Uh, and I followed Tom's Turbo Garage on YouTube back from my Miata days. He did a uh, a really cool, uh, yeah. I believe it was an LS6 swap on his Miata, all in his garage with his own hands. Um, and when I say in his garage, I just mean you know, this giant shop that he built out behind his house with a lift and every tool you could imagine. So it's not quite as like shade tree as, as some other YouTube channels, Yeah. but he has an AZ one and he also has a Nissan Figaro and that he imported both of them from Japan. And so if you like the small, unique kind of fun, quirky, um, JDM vehicle, yeah. Especially if you're considering an AZ one, go go look him up and watch his AZ one playlist. He, he gets into all the maintenance and, um, uh, issues associated with bringing it up to kind of daily drivable condition and and it's fun it's a good okay. it's a good watch yeah, yeah tom's turbo that. garage i'll do that that's good um how about for like gtrs is there a particular channel or are there particular resources my favorite so if you're looking at uh gtrs my favorite channel is actually motive dvd they did a series on them uh on their own r32 GTR that I think in terms of technical knowledge and production value is one of the better um, YouTube channels. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with Motive DVD. They're based out of Australia. They do they do a lot of coverage on uh, Japanese kind of import vehicle events uh, and performance in Australia. And uh, the Skyline's been a huge part of that scene for ever since it came out. Yeah. Um, so they have a tremendous amount of knowledge. They've done a series recently that just breaks down like into super technical detail, just the qualities of an RB block and how to build it and okay. how, to, how to know it's good. And yeah. like, so um, yeah, Motive DVD is worth watching for sure. Good stuff. All right. So we've kind of narrowed down a few different cars that I'm interested in. Um, like Steve was saying, I'm not jumping on any of these right off the bat unless he tells me the price is good based on his experience. So what what you'll want to do if you're a first timer and you don't have somebody like Steve, you can do a couple of things. You can find some listings that you're interested in and send them over to us and we'll be able to give you some feedback on it. Um, but otherwise, if, if you want to be the one to do the homework yourself, track it over time. Like Steve said, track it over a month. Uh, understand what the different models might look like um, and what options came with them. Take a look at the motors and the transmissions that came with them. Make sure it's what you want. And then once you find something, we'd love to hear about it because we're not going around buying a whole bunch of cars at one time. Uh, so we're really interested to see what you guys like and, and what you would pull the trigger on yourself. Sweet. Yeah. And you can find us again on social media at Launch Control Cars on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So look us up, drop us a line anywhere there. And again, for you old school car guys, if you want to email us, it's launchcontrolcars at gmail.com. <laughs> so what's going to be next? What's my next assignment? I'm, I'm looking through this stuff. I'm going to track it a little bit. Uh, what can I do in the meanwhile while I'm looking for the subset of cars that I may pull the trigger on. So um, one thing that you'll want to do is um, identify who your exporter on the Japan side is going to be. Okay. Um, and I'll I'll 
connect you with my guy. Um, and I'm, you know, we, we can talk about whether or not we want to, uh, give him a vouch on launch control. Um, I think for now we'll keep it under the water just because there's so many of them out there and so many good ones. I've actually used two different exporters in Japan. Okay. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to vouch for any specific one because everyone's experience differs. So how, how would I go about, um, give me a start on how I go about finding an exporter. Is this just a matter of or finding a good exporter, yeah. um, and then I'll go look. I'll yeah. do the search. Obviously, I'm just going to Google and see what turns up. Yep. But what are the signals that I should look for? I say, hey, this is a guy you might want to do business with, or a girl. Definitely, they need to have an office in Japan. Um, okay. It's it's easy to find importers in America, um, and if you ask them who their exporter is, they're not going to tell you because they okay. want you to buy the car from them. Yeah. Um, there's a company. A good starting point would be a company called Japan Partner. Okay. And I've used them once. Okay. With fantastic results. I had a wonderful experience, even had even talked with them on the phone at one point. Um, yeah. and they were very helpful. Uh, their, their process of, of requesting and providing all the, um, appropriate documentation, uh, their pricing, everything was very easy to understand. It was a good experience. So that's a starting point. Um, there's also a company, and I think Lance, you asked me about them earlier called JDM Expo. Yep. They have offices both in Japan and in the United States. I would assume you could use them as an exporter mm-hmm. um, without having to go through their import arm in New York. Okay. Um, but I'm not not for sure, but it's, yeah. it's worth looking into. And maybe as we see your story unfold, maybe you could reach out to them and see what they say. Yeah. Maybe they'll say, yes, we'll just function as an exporter, which basically means there's our train. <laughs> We're going to turn that train right into, a, into a drinking game one day. Um, <laughs> so uh, it is right on time, 1134. So yeah, um, anyway, the, the, the role of the exporter is to facilitate the purchase. So you give them the money for the car, yeah. and they pay the money to whoever's selling it. And exporters speak English, or do they not? Do I need, What do Mind I need new? to know? Yeah, okay, so that's probably a requirement that you want. Yes, you don't want to be running emails through Google Translate. That's yeah. going to make... Uh, that's going to introduce risk and make it a lot more work. Yeah, you want an exporter who speaks English. So is there a way to know that up front other than, I mean, I guess a good indicator is if their website is that way, then yeah. it's probably a good, good if shot. If you send them an email and they reply in English. Okay. Yeah. Got but it. I would start with Japan Partner. Again, people have had good and bad experiences with them. My yep. experience was fantastic, so I would happily vouch. Um, one thing I like about Japan Partner is they actually carry an inventory, so mm. you can just go look at cars they already have. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, the other importer that I've used, uh, I'll just go ahead and, or exporter, I'll just go ahead and shout them out. It's, um, they're just uh, JDM.jp. Okay. I believe is their website. They've All changed right. it recently. We can get into this a little bit. I'll tease it because we may be gaining some listeners on this import export topic. Yeah. Um, and so there's a very, and Lance, I don't even know how much you know about this, but there's a very controversial. Let's assume not much. There's a lot of controversy in the Skyline world around a company called Rivsu Imports. No, haven't heard of them. Yeah. The and only you won't ones because that I they don't exist anymore. But oh, uh, won't yeah, won't. yeah. Uh, but um, my exporter is the same exporter that used to export for them. Oh, okay. Um, he's not affiliated or associated with yeah. Rivsu Imports USA. Never was. He was just their exporter. Yeah. Um, and uh, once it got here is where things got screwed. No, well, not even even before. So we can talk about it some okay. other time. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got to do a little more research and put some stories together. But long story short is uh, Rivsu USA ripped a bunch of people off, including their exporter in Japan. They no ripped kidding. him off as well. So he was as much a victim as everyone else. Oh, man. Um, but uh, and he had the opportunity to just cut cut 
uh, line on a lot of cars and people he had made commitments to. Yeah. And he he made good on his commitments, which okay. is really good for me and some other guys yeah. who had cars sitting over in his warehouse for over a year yeah. when all this went down. So I would vouch for him Nail any day. Nail-biter, dang. Yeah, I would vouch for him any day. Um, if anyone's curious or has information on the Rivsu scandal, feel free to <laughs> hit us up on social media or email us. Um, I've got plenty of info there as well, but um, and and we'll be we'll be delicate about how we, much we talk about that. But yeah. it's always fun, man. There's, yeah, okay. There's so a whole while, world there. While we're looking for cars. While you're looking for cars, looking find kind of your exporter. Ex- exporters. And then is there anything else I can do concurrently? No. Just kind no, of I sit think, at that. So I think what's probably going to happen is our story is going to diver, diverge a little bit because yeah. you're going to be car shopping for several weeks Yeah, uh, and s- selling an M3, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, by the way, anybody looking for an M3? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Email us. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so you're going to be doing that for a period of time, but we need to get into starting to talk about the next step of the process cool. um, so that we don't keep our listeners on the edge of their seat too long. So I think we'll we'll potentially start talking more about the next, what yeah. comes next before you actually get there. Yeah. But that'll be good for you because yep. you'll be prepared for it. So for sure. um, t- coming up next uh, in our next episode will be more on the exporting process, the purchasing and exporting process, I think. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple steps there. Maybe we'll get you everywhere. Uh, we'll, we'll get you as far as the car on the boat. Cool. Yeah. That's the hope anyway. Yeah. Or unless something crazy happens in the industry before then that we want to yeah. talk about. So um, thanks for tuning in. And we hope you had a good time and we will see you next time. Bye.